Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. <laughs> we're back, we're back, we're live. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Pastor Jason, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How's, who's, you, who's this lovely guest you have with you today? Yeah, man. We got some special guests in the building today. Uh, babe, introduce yourself. It's my wife. <laughs> That's my wife. I'm Courtney. <laughs> We've also brought along my wife. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm hello. Kayla. Hi, yes. Kayla. Uh, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Uh, so this week, we're going to go ahead and dive right into it. we got a lot of content that we're going to be covering this morning. We might go a little longer than our usual podcast, but it's all for the glory of the Lord and hopefully for your benefit as well. So tag along with us. Open up to your in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read this text again. We'll be in verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that for the Lord, from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward." You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. So, part two, an embassy for the kingdom. Last week, we talked a little bit about how the Christian home is an embassy for the kingdom of God. And in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, we revisit again Paul's thesis statement. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. And so this week, we're going to be unpacking sort of this idea of parenting and this idea of raising our children. And he specifically says to fathers, which could be translated to parents, but also fathers, to not provoke your children. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but first we want to talk about what stems from this big idea, the Christian homes and embassy of the heaven on earth. We talked about wives and husbands last week, which is why we have our wives here with us. We'll yep. be able to unpack a little bit more in depth and in detail. So we'll be revisiting a couple weeks ago. They'll tell the truth. Yeah, that's why <laughs> They'll be like, hey, we listened last week. You yes. guys were lying. Yes. Uh, you guys were lying. And we've also been married 12 years. What I say? Eleven. Well, we just had the twelve-year anniversary. Yeah. So wow. wow. See, that's yeah. why. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, yeah, we're twelve we're, years. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. You guys are I'm way 34. above the normal. I'm starting to now reach the point where I'm spending more of my life. I'm, I'm going to get like in a few more years where I'm spending like more of my life. With more than you. half of your life yeah. that you've lived alive, you've been married. Yep. Or wow. with Courtney. Jeez, that's crazy. That's to crazy. Say. We're coming up on 10. Wow. We're hitting that decade in June yep. in a few months. Um, we said that the Bible starts with blessing and not curse because mm. we see that sin distorts the family. Yep. Um, and we'll get into those crucial concepts in a second. But how did God bless the family? Like 
specifically? Because we see it in the text, but can we unpack what it means? Like, how did God bless the family and in what specific ways? Yeah. I mean, I think, number one, what you see, and you see this mirrored in Jesus' baptism, um, you know, and we're going to talk about that actually in Westside Men as fathers. How do we love our kids the way that the father loved the son? Yeah. But there's an audible expression of emotion is what I would say. Yeah. And God blessed them and said to them, and we see that at Jesus's baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so I think there's an audible blessing, yeah. uh, expression of emotion yeah. um, that is expressed there. And I think the reason why it's so important, and you guys chime in on this, is because I think a lot of times when we think about Christianity or we think about the Bible, it starts off the story's bad right yeah. in the beginning yeah. and and whether it's a form of calvinism or whatever like that tulip you know you start in the with, beginning eve ate the fruit yeah you yeah, know it's always been my critique on that stuff is like well tulip mm. starts with total depravity well the bible doesn't start there it starts yeah. with goodness blessing and this and so yeah. i think it's important no that's good that's good. We moved into three crucial concepts. The first one was God created the family. And it says there in Genesis 1, God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And then here's, here's, the, here's what he says in the blessing. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. So be fruitful and multiply, which Westside does not have a problem with opening <laughs> right? that command. We have so, so many babies, babies yes. on the way. How many? Have you guys lost that list now? I was, a few years ago, it was 30 plus, so. Yeah. Of babies that have been born since, since yep. we've been, so okay. since we've been wow. there. Wow. That's got to be way more than uh, that. Yeah. I mean, I would add 12. Multiple sets yeah. of twins. So, I mean, seriously. Triplets. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we got ours on. We got well. You're we're doing any day now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Here we go. Just Man. ready to happen. So yeah. Wow. Be, so it's really interesting to me that the blessing that God gives to Adam and Eve in the garden is to be fruitful, is to create, as you said on Sunday, little image bearers. Yep. Um, and the family, by God's design, is the foundation for our formation as mm-hmm. disciples and in, in, in of Jesus Christ. But then we see that sin distorted the family. We see the uh oh womp womp moment where Eve takes the fruit. Adam doesn't shut down the conversation of her talking to Satan. Then he eats it as well. And then we see sin distorting the family. Um, And it doesn't just, the first thing that we see sin distorting and attacking is the marriage. We talked about that last week. Um, And so I'd like to take a chunk of the podcast, like maybe half of our time to sort of jump back in time to last week and see how the course from sin affected wives and husbands. Um, So from last week, I'm just going to read this from Genesis chapter three, verses seven through eight. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This is after they've eaten of the fruit and and entered into sin. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So sad. Yeah, well, I love that you said, like, first of all, like, who are you hiding from? Like, he's the one who made the trees, right? Right. Like, it's like when Jesse's like, play hide and seek. <laughs> right. Lays in the middle of the floor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One. She also does this thing now where she's like, you go count. And then if I don't find her in two seconds, daddy, I'm over here. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Piper does the this. This is where thing. we're at. It's great. It's well, but we immediately see in this passage guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Those two things. We see, we see the guilt that, that they are running and they're trying to hide themselves in the shame where they're covering themselves. Yeah, I think it's important. Why to, guilt and shame? Like, yeah, I think it's important to note in the text that they run from God first. Yeah. And then the relation, then they're like the woman you gave me. And then like this guy. Yeah. So it's the breakdown vertically before it is horizontally. Yeah. You know, well, and, if sin yeah. distorted marriages, well, uh, 
how do we how can we tie guilt and shame like how do we see that played out and where do we see that played out in marriages today and i will we'll get specific into our marriages but guys again we've between the four of us here at this table, we've only been married for about a decade on average. There are people who are far more seasoned sure. in the areas of marriage, but we will offer we will offer the mistakes that we've made for sure, um, as well as some other things. But in general sense, where do we see guilt and shame played out in just general marriages today? Yeah. I think first and foremost, going back to when it says Genesis 2.24, that they were both naked and unashamed. What, what that is, is ancient literature saying, I see you, you know, like an avatar, you know, like I, yeah. I see you and I see you, meaning I see all of you and it's good. Fully known. And I'm here. Yeah. And so what sin does is go, I can't be fully seen. That's why now we're covering ourselves mm. um, in that sense. And, you know, we could get really down the rabbit hole as to why did they know to cover right. these certain parts of their body? Yeah. on fig leaves. I mean, we're not told explicitly in the text, right. but it's assumed that it's probably uh, the, you know, the intimate parts of us. Yeah. And the reason why being because that's where also we create. Yeah. And so now we're not reflecting the image of God like mm. we should be. Now this thing that was good, that reflected God's image, now for some reason to me is shameful yeah. in that sense. And mm. so I think that's where, you know, it was, I see you, now it's don't see me. Yeah. Because because I can't be fully known and fully loved at yeah. the same time in that sense. So Man. well, we're we're gonna jump into Genesis 3:16, um, where we sort of see the curses implemented. And and we and God starts here with the women. He says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. And all the women said, Thanks, Eve. Yeah. In pain, you shall bring forth children. That's got to be different reading that verse, Kayla. Like, yeah, it's coming up. With a human in you. You're in, <laughs> yep. you're in pain Man. now. Yep. For Talk the last, about like, Bible application. Man, that's a Bible application there. You're in pain now. For the yeah. last three nights, you've just been like wallowing in the Romans ate the, <laughs> the Romans ate the groaning yes. right yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah creation is groaning yes in pain you shall bring forth children oh gosh mm-hmm. your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you that's from Genesis 3:16 what does a desire contrary to your husband and i know uh, some translations say toward your husband what does that mean and then we can follow up with a question and ask our wives directly um, but we can start with that. What does a desire contrary to your husband mean? I think going to Colossians where it says wives submit, that is that the contrary to that is the desire to not submit. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important to note that God ordained the order of the household before we hit these curses. Yep. So in God's good design is order and order is that the husband is the head of the house and the wife submits to that. So the contrary to that would be that I don't want my husband to submit. And I think we see that played out all the time. This is the 21st century. I mean, we are bucking Mm -hmm. as women and as a culture against the idea of that, that a man is in charge of me as a woman. And almost that that it is negative to say, because what we see in creation is that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he made a helper fit for him. Mm. So to say that a man or a woman 
is, and I don't want to say incomplete because Jesus is single. He's married to the yeah. church. Paul was single. Yeah. So there's a gift of singleness out there. Absolutely. You know, if you're listening to this, please, please, that first Corinthians, uh, like nine or 10 or something like that, 12 maybe. Um, but there's goodness there. But to say in the 21st century that there's a complete, like Courtney completes me right. in a way, not emotionally, not identity, but in the unity of marriage is like a bad thing to say, yeah. you know, mm. in this day and age, at least. That's interesting. That I, in, in light of what we've been studying and looking at, I'm chasing a rabbit here for just a minute, that the Lord looked at Adam and said, it's not good that he's alone. Because he couldn't reflect right. the image of God yeah. because yeah. the Trinity, Father, yeah. you know, Son, yeah. and Holy Spirit in that sense. Yeah. But I love like what Kayla said is going to the good order in Colossians. Yeah. So it's got to be the opposite of that. Right. But I would also say too, like division means two visions. Yeah, absolutely. And so now what, you know, what we see is a vision for the family. But now in light of sin, yeah. there is division, which means I... I, at my core, both of us, man and woman, there will be like magnets on opposite ends. When we are in our flesh and not submitted to the spirit and Christ as the head, mm. we, there will be division of the vision there. It, yeah. it, it, there won't be unity in that sense. Yeah. Well, the, this, this first question directly for our wives, Courtney, Kayla, you guys can answer this however, uh, in whatever order you'd like. Um, where, do you, where do you see this, the desire contrary to your husband in the most, like, most present in your own life? Where do you see that? Like, where do you see the battle against that? Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Just thrown right under yep, the bus. Yep. I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll see how this goes. I think, <laughs> not that I don't submit to you now, but I think a example that I can use in our yeah, past that maybe we've sure. worked through Absolutely. is... Um, in the sense of planning things, mm-hmm. um, we used to have some big blowouts over simple things, which, I mean, submission for me on the big stuff, like Jason wanted this car, like, okay, that's, you know, those things are easy, or we're not going to do this job, or this is the house. Like, those are the easier things to submit to. But when it comes to the smaller things, the everyday stuff, that's usually where our bickering would happen a lot more. For so, sure. um, as an example, we used to make plans or like, okay, let's go to Kate for the day. And it would cause a fight because Jason just wants to spend all the money. And so I'm saying, no, I'm going against everything he's saying because I'm thinking, well, no, that takes extra money that that's nap time. That's whatever. Right. And instead of me just communicating that and working through that, like I think we're at the point now before it was a, no, and then yeah. it turned into the nagging, and it was just—I mean, I was going to fight him yeah. over something silly. But are you saying it was more of like an ultimatum than it was like a conversation? And I don't think he knew any. I mean, he wasn't trying to provide an ultimatum. Sure. I think we just weren't communicating, and yeah. so now flipping back to present yeah. time, I think now it's a communication. I think now it's a—he has seen like, okay, she does now. Actually, um was afraid that I might be wrong on this. <laughs> like <laughs> he just needs to listen to what I say. And when he when he does that, that goes well. And I'm like, oh gosh, that might not be submission. So John Piper actually <laughs> Here it comes. If it's okay. Can yeah. I read can I read this? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um John Piper says leadership doesn't mean doing it all. Leadership leadership means sitting down at the table and taking the initiative to put things into motion that solves problems. Mm. 
women love to have their husbands take initiative to put things into motion to get problems solved. Then, you know, then they're a part of the solution. So it's yeah. Yeah. now what that looks like is actually this week, last week, he texted me, um, whatever day it snowed. And he said, Hey, we, why don't we spend some family time together? Yeah. Like we haven't had some good quality family time. I'm like, okay, great. You know, this is lunchtime. I'm like, Hey babe, do you know that at five o'clock it's going to start snowing? <laughs> like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. And, you know, so because like, it was 70 degrees yeah. two days before. Yeah. Yeah. But now that looks like, I mean, he did take the initiative and yeah. I mean, and so for me, I was like, Hey babe, it's going to be snowing. But instead, Thursday when Roman has his eye appointment, how about we check all the kids out and we make a day of it. And we plan, we just planned this in a way where he's seeing, we're communicating better about it. He's leading and I'm following where he's leading, but it's Mm. just a different, we're finding our roles. And that's what, and maybe in a minute we can get to this, like submission and leadership, like Courtney is, is an all around, not only just better person than me, but when it comes to certain things like the planning or maybe the finances, I mean, she can squeeze a dime and get a dollar out of it. Like just, can you teach me like, how to do that? He, like headship <laughs> doesn't mean like you've got to mow the grass. You've right. got to cook dinner. You've right. got to balance the checkbook. You got to tuck the kids in. Yeah. You've got like this beaver cleaver mindset. That's right. not what that looks like. I yeah. think what she said is important. It's finding your roles because yeah. we see in the text, he created them male and female. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good in that sense. So That's good. I like that. That's really good. Courtney, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Kayla, what about you? Where do you see this most present in your own life, the desire contrary to your husband, who in this case happens to be me? Hi hi there, husband. (laughs) Hello Um, there. Yeah. We were talking last night, Courtney and I were talking about personality types. And I think a lot of times, I'm going to use myself as the example here, I have a very strong personality type. And so it's very easy for me to want to bulldoze and just well, this is what we're doing, but stopping to have communication and saying, giving you a chance to lead us is probably where I struggle with this the most because of how I'm bent. So I think in seasons that I'm doing well, it's on my mind and I know I need to pull the reins back and say, hey, what do you think about this? Instead of just making a decision on my own, which I could do, but that's not that's not what Christ has called me to. Mm. So if I am being a godly wife, it is having conversations, it's communicating together and working through things together yeah. and not on my own in an independent type fashion. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask a question? This might be a curveball. I'll allow it. Our, uh, like, <laughs> we say this all the time. Our, our behavior comes from our belief. Right. So it's because we believe something, we behave a certain way when it comes to the belief and fighting that flesh of being contrary to your husband. I don't think it always comes from a place of like, I can't trust him. Maybe it does if there's been hurt or transgression or something like that. But does that come from a place to be contrary and maybe go out, go rogue? Does that come from like, I can do it better Maybe, or is it, because I don't think it's always malicious by any means at all. Is it just, I can do it better or I have a better vision probably or something like that. Um, And and it's okay if it's a curveball and there's not a direct answer to it. I just just think the fight. Yeah. I just think listeners are probably asking that question. I know men do. I mean, we see it, we see it in the text and we know that in our flesh and in sin, 
there's conflict left to ourselves. It's in its personality, like you mm-hmm. said, Kayla, and all of that stuff. But innately, deep down inside, like Augustine said, there's a reordering of our loves. Yeah. And so there's something there that makes us go, I, I'm sufficient. Is that what it is? Or, you know, is, is, is it sufficiency? I would, I would definitely say that that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. You know, I struggle with that. Yeah. It's just, I can do it. And so just sitting down at the table and saying, okay, this is what we're doing together. You yeah. Know, that unity for you and I. So it's not me just overriding yeah. those things. Interesting. And yeah. not just doing it on your own. Yeah. I mean, if we yeah. are truly in a covenant relationship, then we're not doing it on our own. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the yep. sin in it is I can do this better or by myself, mm. so I'm going to do it. And that's not mm. what God's called us to. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, so the opposite of the self-sufficiency is humility. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah. the key to any relationship, yeah. especially a marriage that's on both good. parts. That's heart posture. That's like it, yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. No, that's really good. It's interesting to me that um, sort of the key to combating the desire contrary to your husband in terms of boots on the ground is communication. Yeah. Um, that a, a healthy back and forth of unpacking issues, whether it's rescheduling a play date with the family yeah. or whatever it is. I mean, we can, we can sit down and actually have a calm, cooled conversation about how this can move forward in a healthy way. And that sort of embodies both roles in a more healthy way. Yeah. yeah. Um, to the men, the curse for for Adam, and I'm looking at our clock here. We'll probably spend about 30, 35 minutes on this section and then the other half hour on the children. So we're about to get into uh, what submission is and isn't. But before we get into that, I want to read from Genesis 3 and the curse that was for Adam. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, so little briars and burrs that get stuck in your, in your socks, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Why is the ground cursed for Adam? Mm. Like, why isn't it like, and you shall struggle all your days to lead your wife well? Like, sure. why is it in the ground is cursed for you? Yeah, I think that's presupposed, you know, when, when God speaks to Eve, the conflict in the marriage, because conflict takes two. Mm. So, the, so that's definitely presupposed. But Adam's key was to subdue the, the garden. So, yeah. so we know there's a bit of mystery here, and a lot of people think, you know, did God use natural order because there was sun and then there was rain and then plants grew and so this, that, and the other. So it wasn't perfect. Like Adam was probably still going to maybe mow the grass you know, even before sin, like, so we don't really know, but I think when it comes to this aspect of it now, it's, this is going to be your primary focus. Yeah. And the causation of that would be neglect Mm. of the wife. Yeah. So now he's going, man is going to be cursed with trying to provide and fight back on this ground to provide for his family that in the pursuit of that, he'll be consumed with it. Mm, yeah. And then as a natural result from passivity and neglect, yeah. that will be the breach in the relationship there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just beautiful to note the curse of the thorns. Jesus wore the curse. Jesus wore a crown wow. of thorns. Preach. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Come on, it's good man. stuff. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week about how this uh, this desire and this need to um, provide and, and care for your family is... Uh, uh, sort of made the big picture and it becomes uh, your family itself and loving your wife becomes like neglect and passivity. Right. So now it's time for us to answer. Jason, where do we, where do you see this struggle most present in your own life? And then I can answer. Yeah, for sure. I think when it comes to this specifically and 
I even would say this and still struggle with saying this. Like when I get up and go to work and I do these things and I, and I work hard for our family, in my mind, I am doing that for us. Right. For, for our family. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm seeing that from my point of view. So, right. you know, a 12 hour day full of meetings and then come home and I'm spent and like, let's crash early. And then it's like, well, hey, hello, you know, you haven't been here all day. In my mind, I'm going, I might not have been here physically, right? but I've been providing for us in that sense. Yeah. And so I see that, and then I use that as justification, almost right. as ammo in the gun of conflict, mm. and go, you know, do you not appreciate, you know, everything I'm doing for you and all that stuff. And so that's that's where it bleeds out in my life is yeah. I, I, it, I'm so sinful that yeah. – I, I justify the curse. (laughs) I'm like, I've been doing this and I've been doing it for us. And the reality is, is that that shouldn't be the primary focus. Yeah. So that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, it's very similar for me. And I think, I think that I, the light came on in my mind when, when you explain the curse like this in terms of passivity and neglect for the family, because Paul says, love your wives, not work hard for your wives. Sure. Um, and I think I, I do the exact same thing. Um, whether it's stuff around the house or stuff at work. I mean, we just had a conversation about it when we were on the road. Uh, we were coming home from Cape last week, and we had a conversation where I was harsh and and blew up about something that wasn't really a big deal, um, about like, God, you want to go to Smoothie King on the way back? And I was like, we don't yep. have time. Uh, I think, no, let me paint the picture. There's always time for Smoothie <laughs> King, yeah, according Amen. to my wife. That's yeah. Amen. It was, it was, uh, I needed to get back for something. I can't remember what it was. And, um, oh yeah, needed to get back for uh, an arrangement. A friend had a birthday party. We were going to go hang. And um, I told you I needed to make it by a certain time. And I think you asked me, and this enough paints a picture of like temper and all of that. And I'm just laying it out here. She said, how mad would you be? Not would you think it would be all right, but how mad would you be if we went to Smoothie King on the way? And I said, we don't have time. And then she was like, well, isn't your thing not until, and I was like, fine, let's just do it anyways. Like my opinion doesn't matter. I was just whining. Sure. <laughs> um, and we had a conversation on the drive home and uh, we basically unpacked like what, what the desire is there. And it's not about smoothie king. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. It's never no. about smoothie no. king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm just one, in that moment, I'm struggling against the like what I say goes versus Kayla's wanting to have a conversation rather than I'm viewing her as squashing my opinion as though it doesn't matter. And she's wanting to have a conversation as to how we can achieve Smoothie King versus getting home on time. And we sort of unpacked that and it essentially came down to exactly what this is. She said, I think it would be great if instead of going to the gym in the evenings, you went in the morning so you could be home with us or home with me at night, Um, wake up a little bit earlier so you can be with the family before you shower and get ready to go. And it was really just a, it was lo- it was language of love, like be present with us physically, yep. not serving us from a distance. And yeah. uh, that was a, that was a big moment. And we've been working through that this week. And I it's think good. things are, On the it's good. I came home for Thanks lunch for yesterday. That. You did. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like, even when I'm, you know, have to mow the lawn on Saturday and then Saturday evening, I see the kids playing in the lawn. Yeah. I'm like, but I feel guilty when I'm on the mower. That that was time. Well, like while I'm on the mower, I'm like, this is time well invested because yeah. look at what I provided for the kids. Right. You know, uh-huh. a safe environment, a freshly right. mowed lawn. Yeah. And, you know, and all of that stuff. And the reality is, you know, 
Piper, you know, was looking forward to that time with me. Right. And could that wait? And could that be a different time? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, That's yeah, a big thing I totally me. get that. Can I totally that get that. And usually it can. Right. Um, okay. So let's move into to the specific charges for wives and husbands. Um, we'll go through these a little bit quicker. Paul gives a charge to wives in Colossians 3.18, and it's this, wives, submit. Um, we said submission is not three things. It's not inferiority. Like men and women are equal in value, but distinct in roles. We have the, the complementarianism there. Um, and use the illustration of the gas and the brake pedal. Yeah. And uh, so women are not inferior to men. Um, submission is not absolute. Like it's not all women submit to all men. Correct. It's your husbands. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then it's not silence. Um, and you mentioned that scripture's filled with women who speak wisdom. We see we see a moment in the book of Acts where these women see this guy who's fervently preaching and they're like, great job, buddy, but that was wrong. Yep. You need <laughs> like, to go to seminary. Yeah, yeah. So, so what submission is not, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of direct this back to Courtney and Kayla. How have you experienced this? And what would you, how have you experienced like inferiority, absolution or silence in terms of submission? Like, have you ever, have you ever been like called to that and said like, ah, you, you're, have you ever been made to feel inferior or made to submit to other men or whatever? Or what even like does the culture say? Yeah. What does that look like? Do you feel a pressure as women, like out of these three things, do you, could you go, most women would say, that submission is blank yeah. on, on one of these that it's not. That's a in, much better in question. In sense. I don't know. I mean. I think a lot of women who are, a lot of the women that we have even on Monday nights, I think when they're walking through this and they're hearing you say submit, submit, they do think it's that silence. And I think that mm. was important yeah. for them to unpack. Even I had a text today that said, what if I say yes first and then I want to come back and argue the point later? Like I'm submitting, but then I want to turn around and, you know, sure. change that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, we responded in the text and we just said, but it is a conversation. I mean, it doesn't mean that you just yeah. follow, you know, listen. Yeah. That's why it's not silence. Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's one that this new idea of submission for these women that maybe haven't heard it's that good. before, haven't mm. heard the biblical you know, term of that, that that is a hard one for them. I Mm. think too, it's huge to say that it's submission to your own husband. I think a lot of times people translate that as, oh, I must, you're telling me I need to submit to every man out there. And that is not what this says. Correct. Um, And I think that's where uh, a lot of probably wrong views of submit come into play. And even it's not saying you need to submit if they're caught telling you to sin. Correct. Like yeah. that is not it's better to obey God rather than man. Absolutely. Yes. And so that's not what this says. And I think yeah. that's a lot of times why women balk at that. Like, mm. well, they're telling me to do something that I don't agree with. Yeah. I mean, yes. the stuff that we deal with when it comes to talk, like we have had to tell a married couple, like, bro, you can't bring like pornography into your marriage. Yeah. Like, well, he wants to watch this together right. and do. And then it's like, no, right. you know, yeah. like that's where you as a woman like step up and, you know, in this sense. So yeah, yeah that's huge, yeah. man. That's great. That's good. So Courtney and Kayla, what would you say to a woman? Maybe she goes to Westside and listening to this or somebody who is in Nebraska who's listening to this. And, yep. high, and, Nebraska uh, high Nebraska listeners. <laughs> what would you say to a woman who's been shamed or made to feel inferior um, to men or silenced in a relationship? What encouragement would you give them and say, hey, this isn't submission? Like, what would you say to them? I would just first and foremost say that I'm sorry that that has happened to you and that um, is probably affecting 
your worldview and how you view Christianity. That yeah. is not mm. the God of the Bible, and that's not what we're talking about here today. Um, so I would encourage you to get in a Bible-believing, Bible-based church yes. um, that is going to undo some of those thoughts that maybe you're believing in your heart. Um, yeah. And I mean, if it's extremely serious, I would even say, I know I said this last time we were on, but go mm-hmm. get godly Christian counseling yep. um, and work through those things because that is not a that's good a accurate worldview and that's definitely not a good representation of the gospel. Yep. Mm. Yep. That's good. Courtney, do you have any thoughts? Would you say anything to a woman who's made to feel inferior or shamed or anything? I think I would just add to her church and just that community. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if it's just a few friends, that was, you know, a conversation that we had with the women last night too yeah. of sometimes those friends that are speaking truth to you and you don't believe it. Mm. That. That's wow, good. that's a big deal. That's, that's really great. good. That's awesome. Well, we've talked about what submission isn't, so let's spend a few moments to talk about what submission is. Submission is, and Jason, you pack, unpacked this for us a little bit in the text. You said uh, submission is a reflection of the Trinity, first and foremost. <laughs> and that's totally not the answer <laughs> uh, anybody right. wants. Uh, right. And so as a preacher, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, God, yeah. this, is, this is the answer, well, but it, yeah. Listen to 1 Corinthians 11. You quoted this two weeks ago. Um, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, Yep. So he's immediately establishing who is dominant in the home, and that's yep. Jesus. Yep. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Yep. Can we talk about how submission is a reflection of the Trinity and how we see maybe an example of Christ submitting to the Father yep. um, and then an example of a husband submitting to Christ, what that looks like? Yeah, I, I, I just want to say really quickly, and I think this comes from John Piper, but male headship does not cancel female leadership. That's good. Yeah. Okay. That's massively important to understand. Yeah. And where we see that again is in this is the giant ready for the seminary term. We have some music or something for this yes. term right now. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> the term is the ontological view of the Trinity. So what that means is is that they're equal in substance all equally God, yeah. but distinct in roles. And so um, the father, um, what we see is that the son submits to the father. Where we see this so clearly is in the garden of Gethsemane. Mm. Jesus literally says, hey, is there another plan other than the cross? Is there something? Yeah, let this Fa- cup pass for Let me. this cup pass for me, but not my will, but yours be done. So what mm. we have is the second Adam uh, submitting to the Father, where the first Adam failed, mm. you know, in that sense, and then we see the Jesus say, "The Holy Spirit does not go unless He is sent," and so we see the, and so we see all of this beautiful. Tim Keller calls it uh, the Trinitarian dance, yeah, cosmic and, dance, yeah, in that sense. And so the reason why I say this is not the answer anybody wants is because it's deeply theological. Yeah, yeah. but I think that's where the church has failed marriages deeply because if we really believe that the gospel and our theology of God affects every aspect of yes. our life, yeah. then then it's in these details where we need to slow down. And, you know, it's not the Chip and Joanna Gaines answer necessarily that you want right. in some real easy, you know, flippant sentence, but it's deep and it's profound. And yeah. so I think that's massively important to understand. And then secondly, we see Jesus in Luke 2, it says that he submitted to his parents. Mm. Yeah. Very God in the flesh. And the word is submit, obeyed yeah. his parents in that sense. So I, I just think that's really important to understand. That's really good. 
Well, we used to, I think you quoted um, from the ESV study Bible and they used the term um, unified submission. Yeah. Um, what practical, so if we're looking at submission as a reflection of the Trinity, Courtney and Kayla, back to you guys, what practical ways do you see unified submission, like the reflection of the Trinity with your spouse? That's a really great question. And is it really hard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And, and to clarify, the unified submission yeah. is that we're both submitting to Christ. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> Kayla and I were talking about it last night. I just kept seeing this rolling ball in my head where if Jason is leading in mm-hmm. the way that God wants him to lead, then I am going to... I mean, maybe a hamster wheel would be a better example. Where I'm hamster gonna, wheel. Yes, now we're theologically yes. in depth here. Your little here. feet are in there tapping and going. That's so it. great. And so when Jason's rolling with what, you know, his job is, and then it's easy for me to submit to that and to follow his lead and to do that. And it is just kind of a circle where we're both, I mean, he's submitting to God. I'm submitting to Jason and God through yeah. that. and. It just runs smooth. It's good domino yeah. effect. Yeah. yeah that's now we good. talked about how I mean the husband's job is to love your wife. As Christ loved the church, what does Christ's love look like? It was a self sacrificing love. Yep. Yeah. And so if your husband is showing the love of Christ to you, I mean you would be crazy not to follow right. that kind of love. Yeah. Is what good. we kind of landed on. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super important because people take that verse, whether it's in Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter, and they're like, man, this is such a harsh term, but they never follow the passage to say, well, what is the role of the wife supposed to be submitting to? Just like you said, that environment that is created there. That's good. So submission is a reflection of the Trinity. It's also a recognition of God's authority. And if there's a word that makes anyone cringe in 2021, it's the word authority. Right. Um, and for sake of time, let's let's move on to this third one, permission. Um, submission's a reflection of the Trinity. It's a recognition of God's authority. And thirdly, it's permission for my husband to lead. We said that it's voluntary. What does permission to lead mean? And then Courtney and Kayla, we can ask like a question that stems from this, and then we'll move on to husbands. Jason, what's permission to lead? Yeah, well, that just comes from if you do a word study of the word submission, yeah. um, the tense that it's written in is voluntary. It's a free act of the will. Yeah. And so one of the things that we said is that this submission is granted, not demanded. Yeah. Right? And so that's, you know, Jesus's whole thing is that the Pharisees come and they lord it over people, but you yeah. shall not be that way in the kingdom of God for you to serve one another. And so the idea of, of it being granted is the empowerment and permission from the wife yeah. um, given to the husband in order to lead that way. So it yeah. just comes from really the etymology of the word there. That's good. And the practical implications are like astounding. And I mean, they, they could sure. be, they could be astounding. Like, Courtney and Kayla, you guys have been around some seasoned saints, some women who have taught you some things, I'm sure. What What's something that someone has taught you about giving permission or encouraging your husband to lead? Something valuable. Or what does that look like for you? This is kind of going slightly different of a route, but I wanted to say this. Um, on the word submit, uh, enduring word commentary. I love that commentary. Um, said the ancient Greek word translated submit is essentially a word borrowed from the military. 
It literally means to be under in rank. It speaks of the way that an army is organized among the levels of rank with generals and colonels and majors and captains and sergeants and privates. There are levels of rank and one is obligated to respect those in higher rank. We know that as a person, a private can be smarter, more talented, and be a better person than a general, but he is still under rank to the general. Mm. He isn't submitted to the general so much as a person as he is to the general as a general. In the same way, the wife doesn't submit to her husband because he deserves it. She submits because he is her husband. The idea of submission doesn't have anything to do with someone being smarter or better or more talented. It has to do with a God-appointed order. Anyone who has served in the armed forces know that rank has to do with order and authority, not mm. with value or ability. Yep. That's good. So I think that's kind of where that permission to lead comes from is re- recognizing the rank there. Yeah. And, and we're fighting the same fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's really good. As far as a seasoned saint goes... One thing I thought of was um, just the idea that you can do as a wife, you can do a lot more good on your knees praying for your husband than arguing with your husband. So I was going to carry a sweet lady at church. Yeah. I mean, that's, it might not be super profound, but I think it's the most impactful, Mm. you know, um, in times of problems, I think between us, that's been her main advice. I mean, Yeah, you can submit, but you need to be praying for him first and foremost. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's biblical. That's First Peter three. Yeah. That's yeah. entrusting him to silence. I mean, it literally says to win, whether it be an unbelieving spouse or someone living in sin or rebellion, to win them over by mm-hmm. silence. Meaning, you might not trust him or this scenario, but you can entrust him over to the Lord. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you guys for taking this little journey through through submission, what it what it's not and what it is. Um, let's talk just for a moment from our perspectives, and then we'll move into kids. Um, he, uh, he says, husbands love, in verse 19. Um, why love? Like, why not work hard for your husband, or work hard for your wife? Like, yeah. work hard for your family. Why does he say love your wives? What is it about fallen man that makes it the thing we struggle the most with to love? Yeah, well, I think the answer is a few verses up, is that love binds everything together. Yeah. And so everything else is an expression of that. So yeah. if it's provide, if it's respect, if it's honor, if it's all of that, if it's not birthed out of love, if love is not the lens that you lead through, yeah. um, it's it's going to be a negative thing, you yeah. know? No, that's good. Verse 19, he says, husbands, love your wives. And then he adds on, and don't be harsh with them. Yep. Don't be harsh with them. Um, some translations you said have said bitter. Yep. Um, like, Paul, you asked the question, why did Paul say this? And it's because if, what, if, if you actually do a loving act and do the above and don't get the response that you want, like it's, there's, there's a danger of bitterness when you try, strive to love your wife in a good way and the response isn't the expected response. We're still called to love and not be harsh with them. Yeah, that's why he writes it. He's anticipating yeah. a response. Yeah. So you wouldn't have said that unless you knew right. what the response was going to be. So if it's yeah. husband's lead, which is to initiate, yeah. he's anticipating, well, when I lead or when I initiate, yeah. I get this response to which his yeah. rebuttal is, don't be harsh or bitter. I'm going to read this C.S. Lewis quote again that you uh, had in your sermon. The husband's the head of the wife just in so far as he is to her what Christ is to the church and read on and gave his life for her. 
He says, this headship then is most fully embodied, not in the husband we should wish to be, but in the man whose marriage is most like a crucifixion. His wife receives the most and gives the least. And I really like that, especially in, in this idea, this charge of don't be harsh with them regardless of the regardless of the response. So I want to turn to us for a couple quick questions. Jason and Tyler, what are some examples of being harsh um, specifically in our own lives? Like when's a time we remember being harsh with our wives and how did that go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine, you know, you know, and, I, and I've said this before, like, whatever I get rewarded for in communicating, whatever like that is detrimental in a one-on-one conversation. You know, preaching is a monologue, not a dialogue. I'm a poor dialoguer. And so, um, always, I think my tone, um, you know, in, in harshness just changes the game on those type of things like Mm -hmm. that. And I think not just my tone, but I think my lack of patience in that I I'm, uh, demanding in that sense of whether it's her processing her thoughts or doing whatever yeah. in that sense. Um, I'm, I'm not patient while she works that out. I'm demanding yeah. in that sense. And, and that's mm-hmm. where that harshness comes from, at least yeah. for me. No, so. that's good. The harshness comes out for me. I, I want to I do things for my family that makes me great in their eyes, whether it's make decisions or do things that are impressive to them. And um, it's more of an identity issue, but this is just all cards on the table. Like, and so when my, when my ideas or my opinions are challenged with a long, a more drawn-out conversation, a desire to process why those opinions are there, I'm immediately viewing that as a disagreement and a shutdown, and there's zero chance or opportunity for me to, quote, lead well. That's a bad, those are bad quotes, lead well. <laughs> and so my response comes into harshness with my tone and trying to shut things down and just say, well, whatever you want to do, because that's what we're going to, you know, and that's not healthy. It doesn't go well. (laughs) Um, and that's where it comes out for me. Um, what's, what's a practical way and we'll move on to kids. What's a practical way you serve your wife in a way, you know, communicates love to her. Yeah. I think this is something that's been one of the core core things to figure out in, in our marriage. And in the beginning, it was probably the roughest point just because, I was serving her to get love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it would be, yep. you know, like the day I found out that she told me, she was like, I mean, I, flowers are fine, but I just could care less. Like <laughs> that's money that you spent. They're going to die. I got to <laughs> find a place to put them. And man, I just remember talking to Jason Courtney and being one of my dear friends and his wife, Leanne's a good friend with Courtney. I just was just enraged, like, man, I can't believe that. But what I realized was, is I was doing that for me, not for her. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, number one, taking the time to figure that out. But also, what does that look like in seasons? Yeah, Because, I mean, we've been married to different people. And what I mean by that is in the seasons of life that we've been in. Yeah. So when we were first married and didn't have kids and we're up in St. Louis as, you know, student pastors and hanging out at Taco Bell till one o'clock in the morning. And, yeah. you know, that's a different season than 12 years later with three kids and two of them in school. And yeah, what do these things look like? But I think a practical thing, like Courtney drinks tea every yeah. night. And so I think that time of sitting there, while she drinks her tea, and I'm even drinking tea now, which is a new wow. venture for me. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. I like the elderberry. I like the sweeter stuff, which mm-hmm. is not the best stuff for you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's totally null and void. But, um, but I think just time, just granting her um, that time to do that is yeah. important. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think the same thing for me. It's it's very similar. I find myself the reason that I want my family to 
uh, shine or look in my eyes and look good. You all right over there, man? Dude, I'm catching a cramp right now <laughs> so bad in my leg. Oh my. I, like, I play basketball on Tuesday. Can you walk? Can you get up and walk no, around? I cannot get up and oh, around. We're good. Let's keep going. We're good. Well, Jesus bless We're good. it, as yes. I say Amen. in the household. Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah, I'm often stri- The reason that I want my family to like view me as this like prize and gift to them and that I'm this amazing. It, that's Superman. That, yeah. Like mm. I want my kids and my wife to look at me and be like, there's no one who's like that and he's ours and that's awesome. And that's, that's just me striving for a level of belonging and a level of significance that ultimately my family will, is not the source for scripturally. It is Jesus Christ who is mm. the source Amen. for that. And, and submission to him becomes my fuel to love my wife well, yeah. to but serve her, not for my own purpose. I just want to say one thing. If if there's younger couples or, or newlyweds out there, I, th- I love the way what Tim Keller says about the gospel. The gospel is, is that you are far worse than what you could ever imagine, yeah. but more love than you could ever dare believe. Okay, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But, but the important part is we are so sinful that when we serve, yeah, we serve from a sinful bent, yeah. yeah. And so when it comes to even serving, so young guys, we skew the golden rule, yeah, like, if in, in such the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, if if you're a young guy listening to this and getting ready to enter into marriage, you've got to understand the total surrender of what it is to put her first, yeah, in that aspect of serving her, yeah, because your first attempts will be to serve her from what you think that should look like. Yeah. And that's, no, that's, that's the opposite of it, you know? And, and then you have kids. Right. <laughs> yep. you, you think you're discovering how selfish you are when you get married. Yep. Wait, yeah. wait till you pop a few out. Let's, <laughs> right. let's move on to children. Um, so so the uh, uh, sin distorted the family, not just marriage, but uh, thereby the kids as well. And we see in Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 9, we see the product of this. The first thing that Adam and Eve create ends up a murder. Yep. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Mm. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? (laughs) And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yep. And I, that we sort of tongue in cheek on Sunday, you were like, oh, who do you think you're talking to, man? You're popping like, off at the mouth, To bro. the Lord, like to God. And he, like, I've always read this like, and heard, I'm, I'm a bro- am I my brother's keeper? But he's like, Abel's dead in the field when he says that. I pictured it like him even looking over his shoulder, like as he's walking away, yeah. like so disrespectful, like Oof. walking away going, am I my brother's keep? Like not even yeah. finishing the conversation. Like, yeah. 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 Well, we unpack that a little bit, use some statistics and, and, but ultimately we see good news restoring from that is that Jesus restores the family. Amen. Jesus yeah. restores the family in Galatians three for in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. Yeah. So we're all part of this family of God. And then the command is given in verse 20 of Colossians chapter 3. He says, children, obey. Mm-hmm. Obey your parents. Can you unpack obey and obedience? Mm-hmm. And Well, let's just jump right into this. Why is obedience important? Yeah. Like, what is it? Why is it important? And what's it look like? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the thrust in the scriptures, every time the scriptures address the role of parents and children— it is the thrust mm. to obey. It's the exhortation to obey. Yeah. I mean, when you go back to the Ten Commandments, the only commandment with a promise is to honor your father and mother, for it will go long with you in your yeah. life. But then Paul picks up on it and, and says in Colossians, in Ephesians, he, br- he brings that commandment back. But the number one way that you honor 
is through obedience yeah. in that sense. And the definition we worked with, obedience is genuine, willing adherence to a request from someone in authority. Yeah, that ain't happening with our toddlers, bro. Right? <laughs> genuine, <laughs> willing adherence. Right. No, that's good. Well, we get into that too a little bit. Um, I, I like, uh, can we unpack a little bit of what obedience looks like? You, you sort of walked us through a couple a couple stages of life in terms of ages for children. I know this isn't gospel, but this yeah. is a good, a good uh, helm to kind of grab the boat by. Do what you're told, do it immediately, and do it with a good attitude. Yep. Why are those important? Why is why is it important that that our toddler does what they're told when we tell them, or our kids do do what they're told when we tell them, and to do it with a good attitude? Why is that important? Yeah, I mean, well, it, you know, it goes on to for for the motive in that sense that it's right. I mean, yeah. it's just what the scripture yeah. says. Well, it like, says it pleases God. Yeah, yeah, it says this pleases God, yeah. and in another passage, it says for this is right. Yeah, in that sense, so doing what you're told is is right. Mm. And we, you know, we just broke down like from two to four years old. That's what you're teaching over <sighs> and over through 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 repetitiveness and all of that is you know, do what you're told. Yeah. You know, no, you got to do what you're told. Do it immediately. It's not the counting thing. It's not like at your leisure yeah. or anything like that. And then the good attitude, I said that you're learning that forever, right? right? That's the, yeah. from um, from a grateful heart, you're doing these things yeah. in that sense. But we said that a call to obedience is a call to Christ likeness. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's what Jesus did. Jesus yeah. obeyed his earthly parents in that sense. So. That's really good. That's really, really good. Um the motive, what pleases the Lord. Sorry, I just jumped back a few lines in my notes. Kayla and Courtney, you guys are at home with our kids and have borne the brunt of do what you're told mm-hmm. and do it immediately and with a good attitude. What's the home like during these seasons? Because like we're gone by 8, 9 a.m. We come home 4 or 5 p.m. There's a huge chunk of 12 <laughs> hours in the day where you're wrestling with these little sinners. And what's the home like during these seasons? And you guys have a little bit older kids. We're still in the toddler phase. Um, so I'd love perspective on both of, on both sides of that. What's the home like during these seasons? How is it hard? Where does it bring joy? Courtney? Yes. Um, also, how old are your kids? Roman is nine. Andy Grace just turned seven, and Piper is soon to be five. So. Wow. Yeah, sad. Um, so two of them are in school yeah. during the day. Yeah. And um, I think for me that makes our after-school weekend time, we just try to cherish that and yeah. protect that for sure right now. Um, with Piper being home, um, just trying to soak up her last few years and be intentional with that time and um, not just let the day pass. You know, when there was three at home, it was like, that was my focus and that yeah. was my attention. Cause that's all, I mean, that's, <laughs> you had no other choice. Yeah. You, were, right. you were just in it. And now I think it's taking the time, slowing down, being with Piper, still, you know, trying to teach her those lessons, you know, walk through things, not just like, no, we're not going to do that right now, but, you know, explaining and doing that with her. I think we're also in a season two and speak to this, like their personalities are so different now with Roman being a firstborn male and being nine, he's being so much older that requiring obedience from Roman in a, in a season of that two to four years old looked different than requiring that obedience from Andy, but the call and the exhortation was still the same Mm -hmm. in that sense. And I think that's the, I mean, the time that we're spending with them is it's work. I mean, because we're getting, 
in their junk and getting, I mean, now it's emotions. So maybe and it's not tantrums, but now it's, yeah, yeah. well, you know, attitude or whatever that looks like. And yeah. Roman's got it or lying or, you know, yeah. um, mm. and so it's, it's not restful yeah. and, you know, not in the busy sense of diapers and things like that yeah. because it's, you're dealing with little people. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Kayla. Yeah. We have, um, Jesse Ray, who is three, almost four. Love you, Jay Ray. Yeah. Ethan, who is one and will be two in a week. And then number three will be here any day. So she's currently zero. (laughs) Um, Number three. Yeah. Um, But as a being in the toddler age and phase, it's the do what you are told. And so it is a constant repeating and repetition of over and over. Yeah. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Well, and with Jesse's old enough now to comprehend, um, to do it now, do it immediately. Yeah. That's it's it's sometimes asking too much to die on that hill, but she understands, I think, to a degree. That yeah. I need to do this now. And one thing I talked about last night at our Monday night women's group was um how it's easy to be passive, mm-hmm. I think. Um especially as a stay-at-home mom and probably the more children you have, yeah. it would be very easy to not put in the work, but you're going to pay for it later on in life. Yep. Um, and no so question. putting in yeah. the work now in the little years, as difficult as it is and not be passive, but yeah. put in the work is going to um, pay off and have huge yeah. reward. That's good. Obedience brings joy. Uh, we stole that from you guys years ago. Like mm-hmm. So when you said it on Sunday... And I sermon. said, listen to Jason. Yeah. You went, obedience brings, and Jesse goes, joy. Yes. <laughs> Super loud yes. from the yeah, back man. row. It was so cute. Um, where, when your kids obey, when our kids obey, um, how does that bring joy? Like for them, for us? Yeah, I think that's like right now, Roman is, he's able to logically at nine years old really walk through, you know, the process of discipline. Yeah. But, you know, and the constant struggle is, is because we are sinners, we think that the whole unit, the family unit, the whole should sacrifice for my part. Mm. So, hey, we're cooking roast. I don't like roast. Cook me chicken fries. (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) No. Like, because the whole unit is doing this. And so I think now to say to him, hey, mommy and daddy don't enjoy the, the disobedience is hard for us yeah. because everything stops. Yeah. Everything stops for this. Yeah. And when we're in the flow of obedience, it brings joy. But the thing, I mean, that's a gospel principle. Yeah. That's, that's what our Father says to us. Right. And we say this all the time, got this from another pastor, but when God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're trying to teach our kids is the opposite. Is when we say don't, it's coming from a place of don't hurt yourself. Yeah. And so um, that's what it looks like for us in this season now. Yeah. How about you guys? That's really good. Okay. You're, go ahead. you're home more. I, I got something to say, but I'll say it no, after. Go for it. Okay. Um, so with Jesse, uh, she's probably, Ethan's still, Ethan's still toddling around. And sure. Learning. Loving life. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's very much so. He'll, he's the one who'll look over his shoulder and be like, yeah, I'm going to do this anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's really nothing you can do apart from, uh, I mean, the harsh look, he will weep and cry. Right. Uh, with Jesse, she doesn't really respond well to any kind of um, any kind of physical discipline. Um, we've sort of discovered that over the last six months or so. But what she responds to is, I, I guess she has this heart for security. She likes her stuff. She likes her things. And we found recently that um, 
I hate doing this, but when she gets out of bed at night over and over and over again, we give her grace upon grace until maybe time number three. Where we're like, hey, if you get up again, we're gonna start. We're gonna start removing things from your room. We're gonna take the elephant from the bed or whatever. And I've been finding myself telling her like, hey, what happens if you get up? She's like, you're gonna take my elephant. I'm like, and I don't. I don't want to take your elephant. Like, I don't want to take these things from you. I want you to have good things and I want you to get a good night's rest. And that's yeah. what this is about. And and there have been the, probably the last couple nights she stayed in bed and we've not had to say anything about removing things, which is great and really yeah. awesome. And I think that's that's a joyful moment for Jesse um, to know that she's getting a she's getting her stuff and the comforts of staying in bed. But we're also brought joy because she's getting a full like 10 to 12 hours of sleep and she's waking up a little less cranky and it's uh, also don't have to play the, you know, withholding parent 19 nights in a row. And And I think what goes well in those moments and what we're learning, like I think it's James Dobson who says what is celebrated will be replicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like when Jesse stays in her bed all night, that gets more attention than, than when she doesn't. Because yeah. as parents, we forget like when the, di- when the moment of discipline happens, all the attention and everything stops and goes to that moment. Well, yeah. if we're doing that a lot, yeah. man, that's a lot of withdrawals. Right. And the deposits are, look at how well this goes. And yeah. that's fun for everybody. Yeah. Well, man. I, I think after the exhaustion of, <laughs> oh, we can't lie, we can't do all these things. Right. So when he does obey, I mean, it is like we're cheering because we're like, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> This yes. is great. Yeah. Like we want you to do this. That's you know? good. Yeah. Just recently, we found that like when Jesse listens to us and obeys a command a to not do X, Y, or Z or whatever outside, and we celebrate her for that, the afternoons generally go much better. Sure. Um, yeah. So celebrate the wins. Um, and kids, if you're listening to this, um, if you don't obey the authority that you can see, your mom and your dad, how can you obey the authority that you don't? Like, that that is the Lord. The reason that obedience and discipline happens is because we're not just training you to obey and use your behavior to please your parents, but it's also a little disciple that we are trying to make you into to love the Lord and to follow the Lord um, and to obey Him. So let's move into parents, um, and then we'll sort of close up. We've got uh, a—we'll talk a little bit about discipline, and then we'll bless our kids before we go. Um, And point number two, he goes to this in verse 21. He says, fathers, encourage— Encourage your kids. I'm going to read the whole verse here. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What does discouraged mean? And what are some ways that we actively do that to our kids? Yeah, dis, I mean, it just, it literally translates to take courage out of. Yeah. And so when you provoke, and and I said this on Sunday, like I love the Bible so much because people are like, oh, summer or oh, winter break. Like get these (laughs) kids back in school. They're wearing me out. And the Bible's over here going, hey, you're wearing your kids out. Like, I mean, when I'm not doing good and I'm emotionally not healthy and I'm on edge, I mean, Courtney can look at me or after a moment of discipline with Roman, she can kind of shoot me a look like, Hey, dude, you're exasperating everybody right yeah. now. Like, and so I just love the Bible that it says that so much. I think yeah. it's great. That's good. That's good. Well, I, you went through a list of ways we provoke our kids, and I got a couple questions there. The first one's overprotection. Um, why is overprotection so dangerous? Uh, and you talked a little bit about failure, yep. overprotection from failure. Why is that so dangerous? Yeah. I mean, I think personally for us, you know, Roman was, Courtney's the first child 
and kind of grandchild in her side of the family. So Roman coming along at his age was the first grandbaby. And so there was on any side. So it was like, boom, like it was a lot of attention. And I think one of the things we're seeing now in Roman is I think there were some years where we were overprotective of not making Roman do things that were hard Mm. and that he was going to fail at. So whether that be sports or whether that be anything like that, and also like the schedule, it's eating up our time. Right. Yeah, Bubba, let's just not do that. And um, I mean, I can understand why families advocate for sports because I think one of the worst things that we can do is protecting our kids from failure Mm. because failure is a massive school to learn from. You learn about yourself, what you're made of, and all of those things. Mm. And so, you know, in this day and age, like we tell our kids, whatever the teacher says, you know, um, we're going to support that. And we even had a situation where a teacher overwent her bounds and Andy Grace came home and said, you know, my teacher said this today. And we were like, what? <laughs> and so we, we asked her a little bit more. And yeah. then Courtney and I, not in front of Andy, were like, we got to call the school. Yeah. And you know, the teacher was out of line on some stuff, but we never let Andy see that yeah. just because we will not be the parents that think that our kids are always the exception. Right. So every coat, you know, you don't play my kid. You don't do anything like that. Yeah. I think that overprotection is detrimental, man. Mm. Detrimental. Yeah. Well, Kayla, Courtney, you guys can speak into this. What's a time you remember our kids failing and learning something positive from that failure? Mm. I believe Roman is still in the yep. process of doing that. <laughs> yep. I mean, we he bought these special history artifacts the other day when we were up in St. Louis and replica um, of the declaration of independence <laughs> yes. and the emancipation Proclamation. I love the things your son loves. <laughs> oh, Me too. He's so, so cool. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, um, but he misplaced them the other night. And I mean, this is an ongoing thing. This isn't just a because he carries them example. Carries I mean, he's them a around. hoarder. He's got them in his yep. pockets. He wants them everywhere. Yeah. You know, he misplaced them and we looked in a frenzy of, you know, where are these? It was dark outside. He left them. We, where are they? We can't find them. You know, he's melting down yeah. and just using that as an example. I think we're still in the stage where we need to fail multiple times because that one time isn't sticking, you know, yeah. but yeah. we're going to keep doing it. And, and, and one of the reasons why he does that is because I think in the beginning and probably me, I have a tendency to overdo more things for the kids. Like mm. Courtney, whether we're getting dinner ready or something, Courtney will be like, <laughs> they can do that. They yeah. need to do that. And I'm like, it's just easier if I do it. And so for him, he did that because he thought, well, if I lose it, they'll find it or something along those lines. So, mm. yeah, that's good. I'm the same way with our kids. It's so much faster to unload the dishwasher on your own. Sure. Rather than let Ethan. Slowly hand you, hand you one, one spoon. One fork at a yep. time. One knife spoon. at a time. Yeah, Kayla, what about fork. you? When's the, when's the time you remember seeing Jesse or Ethan fail and learning something positive from it? Yeah, I mean, they're very young toddlers, so a lot of failing can't be let happen because they would probably kill themselves if I just left them to their own failures. Yes, More so Ethan right now. Yes, especially him. Like, no, you cannot jump off the dining room table onto the (laughs) tile floor. Um, But I'm very basically thinking about a playground and how it's very easy to overprotect on a playground mm-hmm. a one-year-old and a three-year-old and try and offer your hand to help them up the ladder. But sometimes you need to take the seat and sit down and let them 
try it and try again. Yeah. And the Ethan joy. Ethan climbed that rock wall last I week. I was going to say, he did it. Ethan at one years old climbing up rock walls. And you know, it's terrifying as yep. a mother to watch your one year old climb a rock wall. But it took who him knows? forever. It took him forever. It did. But, but he, he did it he and said, was did so it. happy. And he <laughs> threw his hands up and said, <laughs> did it. Yeah, that's cool. Made it. That's cool. And you know what? He might become a world famous rock climber. There you you go. just never know. <laughs> we, talk, we talked about overprotection. Um, favoritism was the next one. Who's your favorite? Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, uh, uh, how, how have you seen favoritism provoke mm-hmm. your kids, your own kids? Um, that's something you've experienced. Uh, I'll, I'll start us off. Um, Ethan, Ethan's our baby boy right now. He's my little man, and he's so. I'm just being honest. He's easier to deal with than the hard-headedness and firstbornness of Jesse. Sure, and. I have found myself leaning towards playing with him and all, especially when tensions are high and frustration. And I can see that in Jesse. Um, I'll see her, hey, do you want to come play in my room or do you want to come sit with me or play with me? And um, really learning as a parent to, I mean, it's, it's a struggle and it's difficult, but to engage in full intentional play with our kids together all at the same time. Um, and that's been... That's been difficult, but we've been striving to make that happen. I think that's yeah. where personalities come into play for yeah. sure in that sense. You know, yeah. it's not, I think it's not so much for us the favoritism as it is making sure that they're not insecure. It's just just yeah. like you said, like, yeah. you know, Roman, I spent an entire Saturday with him. We were fishing, we were doing stuff, and we were getting ready to go to bed. And he literally <laughs> said right before we pray, hey, when are we going to get a me and you day? and it was like bub like that just happened but then there's andy grace who you know would be so easy to just go hey let's stay at home and let's just watch tv because she's you know i don't want to say easier to love but her love language is different right and so it's learning their personalities and what that love language is um is is difficult for sure Mm. so that's good we also talked about cynicism um and how that can sort of translate to our kids. It's another way we provoke our kids. Um, no physical affection, over-discipline, so just sort of dying on hills that don't necessarily matter. Are you okay? Yeah. Are we having a baby right now? No. Okay. Right Kayla's leaving the room. And then no discipline at all. Um, and then we see a danger there. We pull from Proverbs, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And why, we see in Proverbs 11, it's because folly is bound up in the heart of the child. Yep. But the rod of discipline will drive it away. So can we, we're getting close to, we'll probably finish here in the next like five, 10 minutes. I would like to unpack those three Ds of discipline um, and what that looks like. Um, we said discipline is a parents uh, a, a way parents disciple their children. I love. I never thought how discipline and disciple are sort of derived from the same. Yeah. From the same root word. What are the three D's? Um, and what's the source of them? And why is discipline necessary for these three D's? Yeah, I remember reading in our little small house there on Pershing, uh, shepherding a child's heart by uh, uh, Ted Tripp. And uh, that's where the goal of discipline is heart transformation, not behavior modification. Mm. And so the three Ds are dishonesty, disrespect, and disobedience. Yeah. Um, because all of those flow from the heart. And so it is not that your child is innately good and then they lie, so that makes them a liar. No, the reality is, is that they are a liar mm. in their sinful nature, therefore they lie. But why did they lie? 
Why did Piper, you know, eat the chocolate when I said no chocolate? Because she trusted in and wanted that chocolate more than she trusted in the word of her daddy. And so anything that is heart, we always want to take it back to the heart in that sense. And so for us, that's just been a big deal. And I love, I mean, I would fully recommend that shepherding a child's heart is is a big deal, man, on that behavior modification is not the goal. Even though that would be so appeasing and so easy for us. Like one of the things we're learning is, is when we discipline Roman, like from either devices or anything like that, it's more work for us as parents. Right. It's more work for us to engage him now. Yeah. And so um, that's just important. No, I think the good. flip side of that is some of those things that you might discipline for or you might punish for, I think would be the better word in this case, um, those are not hills to die on. Mm. And so you're battling your kid and I think you're provoking them probably yeah. in some ways. And, you know, it's not something that needs to be disciplined in that way. Yeah, maybe they need to like not scream like that or something, yeah. but it's not one to, you know, die on. Right yeah. There. yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Kayla, we're talking about dishonesty, disrespect, and disobedience and how the source of them is really from the human heart and not yeah. just from an outside circumstance and why discipline is necessary. Um, lying is something that we're sort of seeing with Jesse a little bit right now. She's just old enough to kind of... Starting to grasp, yeah, the to realize, ooh, I can say something else other mm-hmm. than what really What's happened. It right. might bring me something better, and that's yep. a lie. And we're trying to show her that that's not that's not there, and then it comes from the human heart in a place of sin. And we're trying to disciple that. Um, so the application we had was that the goal of disi- discipline is heart transformation, not behavior modification. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the the tools for discipline: um, the rod, the rebuke the removal of freedom and the responsibilities, and then we'll close up. We'll, we'll kind of blast through these. The first one's the rod. Um, and there's sort of a process that kind of walked through. Separate the child. So we're not addressing this in front of everybody. Uh, we sort of pull aside and, and address the situation. We get down on the child's level and connect. Connect is, a, a, we, we mentioned this, connect before you correct, another pastor once said, to get down on their level. And I love the incarnation language that you use. That's what God did with us through Christ. Can we stop there for a second? Why is it important to connect before we correct? And what's like maybe a practical example we can use for that? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, we see that in the in the scriptures. Yeah. We see God, you know, Israel in the Old Testament comes to mind that before there's a curse, he gathers the people and says, you know, I'm a jealous God. And the connection is to reestablish the relationship. Yeah. This is coming from a place of love. You know, that's what we said, you know, the difference in discipline and punishment is, you know, we don't condemnation. The goal is not that. The goal is discipline, yeah. which is birthed out of a relationship. Relationship. And we said rules without relationship always equals rebellion. Mm. And so you've got to have the connection, uh, and and that's important. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Kayla, is there a time where you have connected with uh, Jesse on a get-down-on-her-level moment and seen an outcome that is a little bit more beneficial and joyful yeah. than yeah. other times? I really liked what you said, Pastor Jason, yesterday about like how God didn't you know, speak to us from heaven. God put on flesh and came down. He got on our level. And I think that when you're standing, especially, I mean, toddlers are way shorter than we are. When you're standing over them, it automatically puts you just in this authoritative, um, almost angry standpoint. But when you 
take the time to get down on their level, to look at them eye to eye, it almost calms you as yep. much as it does them. And Absolutely. There's a quieter voice because you're not having to shout at them by lording over them. You're getting down on their level, connecting heart to heart, eye yeah. to eye. And um, I mean, they're always more receptive when I take the time to get down on their level, look at them in the eye and have a conversation versus standing over and saying whatever it is. And that's harder. It is. And it takes more time, more work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Courtney, what about you? Yeah. um, I think I do this with Andy Grace because she is the easiest Mm -hmm. to love. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) I don't know if that's how we should say it. (laughs) She's easier to love than the others. Um, but I think I take that for granted because it's easy for me to just be like, Andy, you know better. Like, stop yeah. it. Yeah. And I've had to, in the past few weeks, just with her, ad- you know, her changing emotions and things like that that she's yeah. dealing with as she gets older, I'm having to stop and realize, gosh, like she's a little person. And yeah. so it's not, I just expect you because you know mm. these things. I need to, yeah. you know, let me explain why I'm saying these things to you. Let me yeah. tell you why and help me mold her, yeah. you know, to... That's good. Where we're going with that. That's so. good. So connect yeah. before you correct, get down on their level, explain the transgression while you're down there. And if the transgression requires um, a physical discipline, then a spanking. Um, and I think it was a theologian or a pastor that you had mentioned, uh, don't ever use your hand because the hand's the hand that provides. Yeah, yeah, like, that was just a suggestion. Yeah, J- James yeah, Dobson yeah. always kind of sort of said that, like we had a paddle growing up in our house. Yeah. That's not, you know, Bible or anything, yeah, but yeah. It, it, the Bible does say a rod yeah. in that sense or something that's designated. Yeah. in that sense of this is a tool that's used yeah. for this. That's you know? good. That's good. And then the final step for the rod is to restore the child back to yep. fellowship, to bring them back into the community. Um, so there's a, an, a lack of guilt and shame there that could have been you know, right. avoided if it was in a public space. Um, the second one's the rebuke. Uh, the rod of repro- the rod and reproof give wisdom. So the rebukes like the the harsh word. Like I think you mentioned, it was like the dad voice yeah, or, right. or the, the mom voice the mom in the voice. supermarket. Yeah, um, and uh, third is the removal of freedom. Um, uh, and I guess you guys are probably experiencing this a lot right now with a little bit kids that are just a little bit older. Um, maybe removing things from. Yeah. Like, is there a point where you go from like the rod? And, and physical discipline to the rebuke and the removal of freedom? And what does that look like? Yeah. Like, you know, we didn't, because there's no, there's no biblical number one evidence that we can put ages on this. Right. But I yeah, think, yeah. man, I think towards at the end of six, seven, eight, nine years old, the rod sort of disappears in that sense. Mm. Just be, like, I think if you're spanking a teenager, you're failing. Okay. Like that's <laughs> On Sunday not, you said you've lost. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You've lost. Yeah. yeah, for sure. In that sense. And, um, so I think there is a little bit of ageness and, and wisdom in this, yeah. but like, you know, the, the removal of freedom I think is difficult because that makes you as a parent more invested. Yeah. And so when you're removing that freedom, oftentimes the freedom is for them to go do things on their own, like Roman being nine years old. Well, now when we've removed those freedoms, he's now right there with you yeah. in, in that act of discipline. And so, um, yeah, it just looks differently, I think, with the kids in that sense. The rebuke, Andy's personality responds, you know, you have to restore her back to fellowship and Piper for sure, and maybe, you know, with them being girls and when I rebuke or something along those lines. With Roman, we tried something different, you know, just the other night because 
you know, I was just really taken back by the story of the prodigal. And I thought, okay, the last, when, when the prodigal son thought about returning home, the first words that he remembered were the last words of the father. And I just thought, mm. he thought that it was better to go back home mm. than to be with all this stuff because there were good things there. And so we just sat Roman down and we're like, listen, you know, the rod, the rebuke, all of these things tend to not be getting through. So here's what we're going to do. We're giving you this stuff back as an act of grace and love because we love you. And now this is your responsibility. And I just told Courtney, I said, I just felt like the Lord gave me in Romans for it is the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Yeah. And yeah. I just wanted Roman to be like, man, I've got my coins. I've got all this <laughs> stuff back. And man, I really don't want to lose it. And this is really good stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so that lasted for like four hours. <laughs> so. well, we talked about that at my table last night with the women's group. You know, I had given that example and I said, you know, we took so many things away that we were realizing I'm not sure this is doing anything yeah. Yeah. and yeah. that's what you know an older lady said sitting there she said I think you have to just I mean you have to be in it with them because we could keep okay Roman now it's you know we took your coins away so we moved Pokemon cards then mm -hmm. it was you know I mean we could keep doing that but you've got to stop and see if assess is this yeah. working yeah. Is this? Yeah. and I know parents say sometimes like yeah, you're not going to end up with nothing but a mattress in your room and <laughs> I understand what's going on yeah. but at some point, you know, again, Dobson says it's not to break the will, it's to shape the yeah. will. Yeah. And man, at some point, you are going to drive them away yeah. from you yeah. rather than bring them into you yeah. in that sense. God's not withholding. Yes. Yeah. God yes. doesn't withhold from us. Yeah, that's good. So removal of freedom and then responsibility, just talking about um, this perspective of responsibility and maybe kids are a little bit older in that. But we said overall, the key to raising children is realizing that you you yourself are a child of yep, God. That's that it. all of us are children. As as uh, as First John says, um, uh, brothers, we are God's children now, and so we are. Yes. Um, we've been brought into his family, not just as citizens and saints, but also as members of the household of God, as Ephesians puts it. So um, that's that's a great perspective for, for us to have. Um, we're at an hour and 20 minutes. I knew this would be a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, wow. But, um, <laughs> it's good. But I, I just want to close out with uh, one last thing for everyone to speak at. Maybe uh, Jesse and Ethan uh, will be listening to this in the future. Maybe Roman, Andy, and Piper will be listening to this in the future. If not, who cares? <laughs> if you could speak to your kids right now, would you guys just take a moment and speak to your kids and give them some encouraging words? Just speak some good things over them. Yeah, I had to do that yesterday. Mm. On the way to school, I, uh, I, just, I just laid into Roman. And when he got out and went into school... I was just ate up sitting there at the office and I was like, he has just sat with this like all day. And so I just wrote a note and took it up to their school and wrote Andy one, two. <laughs> and Andy thought it was the greatest thing ever. But yes. I, one thing that I try to say to Roman, and I think it's something that, that gets through to him and I'd say it to them individually. But if, if I had to choose from, a, if there, I tell Andy Grace, if there were a thousand seven year old little girls in a line, I would choose you every time. Mm. I would choose you every time. And nothing, nothing that you can do will ever make us love you less. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Ever. Um, and so I just think that I, I, I just always want them to know that. Yeah. That um, that love, though it is imperfect, 
that we try to express yeah. um, really is genuine. And then that that would compel them to know that their Father in Heaven loves them yeah. even more yeah. perfectly that way. So That's good. Yeah. That's good. I think along the same lines, I think I just want them to know that there's always that grace. Um, I think growing up for me, that was what was most impactful through my parents of, you know, the display of grace. And so just being a safe place for them, being, you know, where they turn to, I think is what I would want them to know. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. How about you guys? Okay. Yeah, I think I would want them to know that they're a gift and a blessing Mm -hmm. um, that we don't take lightly. And even in seasons of hardness, even I mean, it's probably going to get much harder as we hear the teenage years will get very interesting, but they're always a gift. And also that God loves them far beyond and far more than we ever could. Um, They're his kids. Yeah, that's good. I would probably tell Jesse that her, um, her strong will uh, and her strength is a gift. It's part of her personality that the Lord has shaped and given to her and that she can use it responsibly to do great things to the glory of God, but she can also fail to use it to her detriment. Um, I would love for her to know that, and for Ethan. um, As for now, he's my little man. He's my little boy, and I'm so thankful to to have him. He carries on the name. Yeah, 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 the namesake. Um, But ultimately, that the biggest thing that they could ever do with their life is to love Christ, the best thing. Yeah, the Christian home is an embassy of heaven on earth. This has been a great little two-part thing. It's good, I'm going gonna, gonna to close this out from uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them. And went away. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. This was yeah, a lot of fun. This is great. Yeah. We got any closing thoughts, announcements, or anything? Uh, Westside Women's done this for this for the summer, right? For May. For May. We're taking a break, and okay, June and July we'll be doing a summer study. Baller. We'll yeah. fo- follow that. Keep an eye out on social media for that. Westside Men. We're on the school calendar, right? So yep. we'll, wrap we'll go up a when, couple more yeah. weeks. Okay, sweet. When that's done, that's done. Well, thanks again yep. for joining us for the rest of the sermon. If you want to know more information about us as a church, you can go to westsidepb.org. You can send us any questions questions that you have about parenting or mothering or fathering or marriage or anything else that we cover in a sermon, then we will try to do our best to answer those here. You can send those into info at westsidepb.org. You can catch our live streams at 9 a.m. Uh, worship with us live at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at Westside and catch our live stream at 11 a.m. And I think it's in two weeks. Uh, what is it, Labor Day? Yep. Labor Day is when we start Memorial Day. Uh, Memorial, Memorial Day. Day. Yeah, Memorial. Yeah. Memorial Day. Yeah, we start with one service on Memorial Day and we go all the way through Labor Day. 10 a.m. Yes. Um, yep. And that's one So the live stream will switch to 10 a.m. on yes. Facebook yeah. Live. Yes, yep. perfect. All right, awesome. Uh, if no one's got anything else, uh, may everything that we say and do be all about Jesus. We love you. And thanks again to our wives for coming today. Amen. Thanks for having us.